Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. God has a plan for your life, but you can only complete that plan with a shout of grace. So let's get connected to the Word of God today as we dive into Proverbs chapter 9. And Proverbs chapter 9 says this, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days are multiplied and your years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing, for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen waters is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know the dead are there that her guests are in the depths of hell. Well, the first verse that I wanted to point out here this morning is in verse 4. And this is simply put that wisdom can be found. That's the first thing I want us to notice here. Wisdom can be found. You know, sometimes I think that people give up on really gaining wisdom because they don't realize that it can be found in their life, that you can find wisdom. You don't have to be foolish. You don't have to be simple-minded. You can be wise, and God wants you to be wise. In fact, it says this in verse 4, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, and then it continues in verse 5, it says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Uh, forsake foolishness and go in the way of understanding. But we see here that wisdom calls out. Wisdom calls out. Wisdom is calling out to you today. Don't continue to be simple. Don't continue to lack understanding. Don't continue to miss these things in your life. Turn in towards wisdom. Turn in towards wisdom. Come here. And where is here? It is the Word of God. And we're going to go and see specifically, it's the fear of God in just a moment. But we do need to turn towards wisdom. You can obtain wisdom. You know, this is so important to understand. There are promises in the Word of God, and every promise that God makes, it is a check that is not made out of rubber. It does not bounce. It is a check that cashes every single time. His promises last, and you 
can have wisdom. In fact, James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So the question comes, do you seek wisdom in your life? Are you seeking to become wise? And the next question follows, have you asked God for wisdom? Have you asked God for wisdom? You know, that, that, that seems like a simple thing. In fact, it is a simple thing. But so many times we miss the simple truths and we miss how do we activate the promises of God because we just jump over it because, oh man, that was, that was easy, right? Well, it's not necessarily easy to pray for wisdom, but it is something that's not complex. Lord, I lack wisdom. Will you please give me wisdom? God, you have promised that if I ask for wisdom, you will give me that wisdom. So thank you for giving me that wisdom because I know that you always come through on your promises. Do we have those kind of prayers in our life? Is that the kind of prayer that we have? Is that the heartbeat of our prayer? Lord, I don't know what to do. Instead of freaking out, instead of going to your friends, instead of going this way or that way, how about we go to God and ask him for wisdom? You know, I can't tell you the amount of times. In fact, it's it's basically a daily endeavor that I ask God for wisdom in my life because there are all kinds of situations that come up. There are all kinds of situations that come up that I don't know the answer to, that I'm going, you know what, Lord, I'm not sure how I should respond. Father, will you please give me wisdom, the wisdom that I need, the wisdom that you promise to give me if I ask? And you know, the one thing that I have found God always comes through on his promises. If I only take time, if I only remember that I am not good enough in my own strength, I need to rely on God's strength and I need to ask him for wisdom, I tell you it works out every single time. Why? Because God is faithful to his promises. You know, another thing that I want to point out here in verse 4 and in verse 5 and 6, it actually is a comparison in this chapter. When we took the chapter in the whole, we notice here it says, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says unto him, and then it goes on and it says something. Well, if we go down towards the end of the chapter, in that last part, it says, starting in verse 14, for she sits at the door of the house on the seat by the highest places of the city. And this isn't wisdom, by the way. This is, uh, this is the calamorous woman, is to what it says here. To call on those who pass by who go straight to their way. And it says this in verse 16. Notice if this is similar language, because it is. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Well, what did it say in verse 4? Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Then it continues on in verse 16, and for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen waters is sweet and bread eaten in the secret is pleasant. In verse 5, or continuing in verse 4 and into verse 5, it says this, as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, come eat my bread and drink the wine I have mixed, forsake foolishness and live. Now, of course, ultimately in verses, uh, in the rest of the chapter, in the later verses of the chapter, verses uh, 18, I guess is what it says. Uh, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. 
You see, there's something that I want you to notice is that this chapter makes a contrast between wisdom and the foolish woman or the calamorous woman, which of course is specifically speaking of sexual immorality here, and, and, and they're both calling out to you. Both wisdom and the foolish woman are calling out out to you, and this is true in every single person's life, that wisdom and foolishness are both calling into you, and they're saying, look, turn in here. And then, of course, they're both saying, for whoever lacks understanding, well, what does wisdom say? Come and eat of my bread. I, I've labored for this. This is mine. It's what I possess, and I'm giving it to you. And foolishness is saying, well, look, stolen bread tastes sweet. One leads to life, the other leads to death. And you need to understand you cannot turn both ways simultaneously. Your life cannot lead both paths. You need to choose one path because you're going to choose one path. If you try to choose two paths, let me just tell you that's the path of foolishness 100%. So you will either choose wisdom or foolishness, or maybe we could put it this way, you will either choose wisdom or sin in your life. You can't choose both. You can't really choose to be wise and to live a life of sin at the same time. It doesn't work. The life of sin is always the life of foolishness. So choose the path of wisdom. But let's continue on here. In verses 7 through 9, we see another truth. And this truth really has a lot to do with correction and instruction. In fact, correction and instruction, both who we give it to and how we receive it, it reveals a lot about us. Verses 7 through 9 says this, He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a, a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. See, we need to understand, first of all, who to correct and who to instruct. And this is a difficult lesson to learn. This really is, or at least it's been a difficult lesson in my life to learn. See, it says, he who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. It is easy to want to correct scoffers. That, that is something at least that I want to do. I can hardly stand it when there's a scoffer there. I like to go back at scoffers. I don't know if you're like that or not, but when somebody starts scoffing, ooh, it just makes me want to go and to meet them either with their, their, their stupidity and just come back and say something just as dumb, or it makes me want to just go and to correct the scoffer, to just show him how he needs to shut his mouth to really go and obliterate the, the scoffer using, you know, great logic and, and skill and things like that. But what ends up happening is when you correct a scoffer, well, they end up hating you. And of course, correcting uh, or rebuking a wicked man, uh, you, you end up harming yourself many times. See, there's sometimes you need to go and to look out and to see the character of the person. Now, this isn't uh, saying that you shouldn't go and call for repentance to somebody, but it means that after you've gone and called to repentance, sometimes you just leave these people alone. You let them go and to spout their mouths off and to say whatever they're going to say, and you just go and you say, whatever. Or even better, you just keep your mouth shut and let them reveal the foolishness that comes out of their own mouth. Now, this is an incredibly difficult lesson to learn, at least it has been in my life, 
But this lesson can be even more difficult in the days of social media. You know, there are so many times that I I just kind of want to get on Facebook and be the theology police, right? Go around and tell people, well, actually, you're wrong. (laughs) I don't know if anybody else likes to do that, but I I enjoy doing that. And of course, that leads you to uh, getting into tangles with all kinds of scoffers and wicked people. But one thing that I've learned is that it is much better that when people come to go into uh, to, to, and they're being wicked or they're scoffers, uh, it's much better to go and to quickly turn it, to, to always state what's right, but to quickly turn the conversation to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So an example of this was the first interview that I ever did. It, it was actually a setup interview, and it was one that everybody knew was a setup interview. I agreed to do an interview with somebody who was an organizer of um, the Gay Pride Parade um, over in the Cedar Valley. And, uh, this young lady, she was, was a lesbian. And, uh, she asked if, you know, she was a, a writer and she said, can, can I do a, an interview with you? And I said, I said, sure, I, I would love to, to do an interview. And, and a lot of people were telling me you probably shouldn't be doing that interview, but, but, but I had prayed about it and really believed God was leading me to go and to do this interview. And so we get into the interview and it was clear she was antagonistic right away just right away. But through this antagonism here, are just a couple questions. And she asked, she asked, why, why do you say the things that you say? And I was able to go and to share my testimony with her and to share how, how I believed in, in, in it's true, by the way, how, how I believe that, that it is important to share the truth with people because they're in danger of hellfire. And I don't want to see anyone end up in hellfire. And as I went and I shared my testimony with, with this young lady, and I continued to go and to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to her, it wasn't that she turned from her sin right then and there. It wasn't that uh, she got me to compromise by any means. It wasn't even that I changed her mind on the issue itself. But she did say something very interesting that completely changed the entire conversation in the middle of this interview. Remember, this is a setup interview. She goes and she says, I disagree with you 100%, but there is no doubt you're coming from a position of love. That's what she said. What happened? Well, I still stated what was true. But instead of going and just rebuking and rebuking and correcting and correcting and rebuking and rebuking and correcting because I knew that she was wicked, there was a clear call to repent in a continued sharing of the gospel, a true caring of her real need, of her true well-being was presented. And there was a softening there in her life. Now, would have been well within my right to go and to just, you know, scream and yell and tell her how dumb she was and how dangerous everything was uh, that she's doing w- with her life and how how absolutely this is terrible and how she's hating her neighbors by doing this because God hates homosexuality. And, and I could have gone and done all those kinds of things. And what would have happened? Well, it just would have been this big rebuke and correction that would have ended up going and having her turn against and reacting in the same kind. But instead, it was made very clear. You're wrong. I disagree with you. But it's not because I just want to sit out here and rebuke and correct, but it's because I want to see you come to Jesus Christ. 
Sometimes we need to remember that. Don't lose sight of the goal. But also we can learn something about correction and instruction, not just about the people that we're trying to correct, that we're trying to instruct, how they respond to it. But also we can learn about ourselves. You know, do you receive correction and instruction? Do I receive correction and instruction? If not, then guess what? We're not wise. A wise man receives instruction. He receives correction and he becomes wiser and he loves the person who corrects and instructs them. What about you? Do you love those who correct and instruct you? You ought to. I want to end in an interesting place because I end, I'm, we're going to end in a place where it talks about the beginning. <laughs> this is in verse 10. It says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Once again, we've talked quite a bit about the fear of the Lord. We started in chapter 1. If you didn't start there, I'd encourage you. You know, these are only about 20 minutes long. Go back to chapter 1 and, and listen to that and understand that, that the beginning of wisdom, or excuse me, that the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But here it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom as well. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You know, you really cannot have wisdom if you don't fear God. You must fear God in your life. Do you care what his opinion is of your life? Do you live your life in such a way realizing that he is watching you? That's, that's normal because he is watching you. Live your life in such a way. And also true understanding is knowledge of the Holy One. If you want to understand things, seek to know God and to know him more. That's where you're going to find real knowledge. That's where you're going to find real understanding. And of course, fearing him is where you're going to find true wisdom. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Sometimes he leads us, waiting for his hand to move. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome, so that war.